Hello, and welcome to a unique episode of my podcast. Today, we have an incredible guest. Our guest is someone who I had an amazing and insightful conversation with. I met her through Instagram after seeing that she connected with my content, and I connected with hers. I reached out to set up a time to talk. When we spoke, we had a natural connection together, and I thought it would be a blast to have her on for an episode, and I couldn't wait for her to share her genius with you. She's very insightful and thought-provoking and brings new perspectives to old beliefs that were passed down to most of us. Her name is Deanna Beaton. Deanna is health at every size aligned, is an NASM certified personal trainer who specializes in intuitive movement, intuitive eating, and body image coaching. Deanna was a joy to speak with. This conversation was one that time just flew by for, and it is our longest episode yet. Here it is, my conversation with Deanna Beaton. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to the Embodiment Doula Podcast, a place where diets aren't a solution and your body is no longer the problem, where you learn how to finally stop being at war with your body and yourself and start loving your body and yourself so you can live the life you're dying to live and do the things you've been dying to do. My name is Tess. I am the Embodiment Doula and someone who not only survived, but healed from a severe eating disorder. And now I'm at a place where I deeply love my body and that has inspired me to help other humans to heal their relationship with their bodies and food. I'm your host, Tess Halpern. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Embodiment Doula podcast. I am so excited you are here with us today. Thanks for listening and tuning in. I am super excited about the guest we have today. She's here to talk about one of my favorite topics, and her name is Deanna Beaton. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the work that you're doing? Sure. Um, Well, like you said, my name is Deanna Beaton and my pronouns are she, her, and I am a certified personal trainer, but specifically I am a health at every size, weight neutral, body neutral, personal trainer. And I got into this, well, I've always been uh, active and I played sports my entire life growing up and I danced and I was always an active person. And then as an adult, I was a lifeguard and in aquatics for 10 years. And so I worked in gyms a lot. And so I have always been sort of in and around like movement and activities and fitness and stuff like that. But I've also always been in a larger body my entire life. And it was not really until the pandemic started when I started to feel my body not being the quote unquote good fatty body because I had stopped doing so much movement and I wasn't able to be as active as I used to be. And I realized then pretty early on in the pandemic, like, oh, I have a thing about, you know, movement and my body and how worthy I feel and 
I've never had this before because I had always been doing the movement. So I was always doing the thing that fat people are supposed mm. to be doing, which is working out and exercising to quote unquote, try to become smaller. Although that absolutely never happened in my entire life. Um, so that was really the catalyst for me becoming a personal trainer was I had that realization and I didn't like it at all. And thankfully I had some of my wits about me to sort of investigate what that was about and what I could do about it. Mm. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, super cool. Sorry. You just said like so many things and I'm like, I just learned so many things about this person in like <laughs> two minutes. It's a, I didn't lot. Even know. it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. I love that. Um, so you always felt like you were like a good fatty quotation, like around mm -hmm. that because you were like doing mm -hmm. the things that you were supposed to do. So being in your body was acceptable because of that. Yes, and totally. It was okay that I was bigger because I was very visibly active and like doing the things that supposedly make your body smaller. Um, but it absolutely never made my body smaller. And I didn't realize that I, had that sort of core belief until I wasn't doing those things anymore. That makes sense. Cause it was like, people couldn't really point it out. Or if they did, you had like a whole list of things to point to of like, mm -hmm. no, this is why I'm acceptable. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, totally. I'm excited you're here today. Um, movement and exercise are something that I actually come up quite a bit when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people. And it's a topic that mm -hmm. I personally love talking about because I have beliefs that are like quite contrary to the norm and what you hear in society. And I know that mm -hmm. you and I share some of those. So I'm super excited to be having this conversation with you and have others here from like your professional perspective, you know, on these topics. And one question that I wanted to start with is we all have an idea of what health is. And mm -hmm. I love getting people to think about what health actually means to them. Because mm -hmm. as you know, we live in a world where like thin is what people define as healthy. So question what does healthy mean to you in like other words, you know, just define healthy for you. Yeah. There are so many different places where you can find a definition of what health or what healthy is. Um, the one that I prefer sort of takes into account. It's not a lack of disease, but in fact, a flourishing of the entire self which in my mind includes the four bodies, not just your physical body, but your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. So to me, healthy is that you recognize all four of those parts of yourself and they're all being taken care of, not just in a, not a lack of a deficit, but in fact, flourishing. Okay. I relate to what you're saying. I always say it's like exactly what you said. It's mind, body, spirit. You know, it's it's all of it. It's not just like mm -hmm. one piece. And when we just boil it down to one piece, it's like, okay, I have chronic migraines. So are we saying that mm -hmm. if someone gets migraines, they're unhealthy? Because those are genetic, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, so I feel like it's it's just so important to start there when we're looking at like fitness and health. It's like, mm -hmm. what the fuck is healthy? 
because yeah. <laughs> no one knows when I ask them, it's like, well, my weight, it's like, no, no, no. Like, actually it's not your weight. It's like, but that's what we think of, which is why it's like, yeah, such a mind blowing topic to like get into and like to see that everyone will, if you haven't thought about it, it pretty much, I have found it always mm-hmm. comes back to weight. But if yeah. you do think about it, you realize it's like, holy cow, it's so much more than just what my weight is. Yeah. And there's so much just assumed in our culture about what health is and what health means. So yeah, a lot of people think it's just the physical body, right? And maybe in the past couple of years, we've started incorporating the concept of like, oh, maybe mental health is part of health. But then there's also this other aspect to the word health. And that is, what does it mean about you? If you're not healthy, quote unquote, by whatever definition you decide, what does that mean about you? And, you know, I think I'm certainly here to help further the cause that it means nothing about you. Health has so many determinants that are outside of our control that how could it possibly mean something about you if you aren't, you know, in charge of it? But then even if you are in charge of it, that still means nothing about you. It's there's so many aspects that if you do sit down with a client or if you yourself sit down and think about like, what is health to me? I think a good place to start is not even what it means to me, but what does it mean about me? Like you're saying, if you have a chronic condition, does that mean you're unhealthy? If you're unhealthy, does that mean you're less worthy of something? You're less worthy of care? You're less worthy of compassion? Or does that mean you're more worthy of compassion? Therefore, are, should we be less compassionate to people who are quote unquote healthy? There's a lot of uh, lot of weird messaging in our society about health. Totally. Well, and it's only, it's kind of like similar to what you were saying in the beginning about your fitness journey. It's like, it's only okay to be unhealthy if you're doing everything mm-hmm. in your power to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yes. then we'll accept you because you're killing yourself trying to be healthy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love the way you just put that. It's okay to be fat as long as you're killing yourself to try to be healthy because the alternative is you're killing yourself by not getting healthy. Either way, society has decided that health means that you should basically be trying to kill yourself in one way or the other. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. (laughs) And only one way is acceptable. You can't kill yourself by being fat and not moving. That's not acceptable. But you can try to kill yourself by overworking and under eating your body, you know, under feeding your body. Yeah. And that's acceptable. acceptable. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, that's what's so dangerous about it. It's like, well, if you're a fat person, you're disgraced to yourself and your world and your body and to God, you know, but if you're Mm -hmm. a fat person trying to be a thin person, oh, well then you Mm -hmm. saw the light. It's almost like, I mean, it's very cultish in that way, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't take that. Yeah, word not lightly. a lot of critical thinking skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so we all feel so much pressure to this is like a perfect segue. We all feel so much pressure to be quotation doing enough for our health. Mm-hmm. What do you think is enough? Like, or what do you mm-hmm. think is enough to be healthy? What would you say to people? Um, I would say that you are here 
and you exist and you are enough full stop. Um, but since this is a podcast, I will elaborate. Um, <laughs> I love that. I, I don't think that you need to do anything. I don't think that anybody needs to do or be or try anything to be enough. You are absolutely enough already on your own without doing anything. Um, so that's a thing that I harp on a lot. Um, beyond that, if you can get to a place where you can sort of feel into your body safely, if you can get in touch with your emotions safely, if you can start to hear what your four bodies are trying to tell you, then I think that most people will be able to hear some instructions from their bodies. Like I would like to move now, or I would like to sleep now, or I would like to eat now. Um, and if you can get to a place where you're so embodied that you can hear those things, then I think just being able to hear them and respond to them appropriately is basically what health is. That's you doing enough, being able to hear and feel and give yourself what you need. Totally. I love that. That's like a different way to say actually what, which I love how you said it. What I say a lot on this podcast, which is really talking about tips and tools to learn how to embody your body and how mm -hmm. that's what I really think that we came here on this earth to do. So that's mm -hmm. like, so I, I just love how you said that. That was just like a whole, I was like, Oh my God, I've never said it like that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. And it's true. It's yeah, like it's learning to listen to those things is it's mind blowing to compare mm -hmm. to how we are raised. It's not the mm -hmm. it's not what we're taught. You don't go to school and people are like, eat when you want to eat. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Go to the bathroom. Like you don't mm -hmm. feel like climbing a rope in gym? Don't do it. It's like the, everything <laughs> is so forced. You, you, like even when I was a nanny, it's like, oh, you're exhausted after school? Nope, you still have to go to soccer. And it's like, they're 12. Just, just let them rest. Like maybe they're trying to listen to their body and we're just – always programming people so young, you know, finish everything on your plate. You have to eat your broccoli. All these things are constant messages of don't do what your body's telling you to do. Do what I'm telling you to do. So it's teaching us to override mm -hmm. the body with the mind since the time we're little. Yeah. It's very much in line with you and your whole ethos. And I mean, even just your name, the embodiment doula being embodied is so difficult because just like you're saying, it's the exact opposite of everything we're taught our entire lives from every aspect, you know, at every corner. You can't find a nook and cranny where anyone ever taught us to listen to ourselves. There's always an external directive. There's always external pressure. And so not only are we not taught to become embodied, but we're taught to suppress and ignore and only look for external cues. Totally. Totally. So would you agree that like a lot of, you know, embodying your body is really just learning to listen to yourself and trust yourself? Yeah. And so that's sort of the focus of my coaching of what I do, because just saying that right is really hard and confusing and who even knows what that means. Um, totally. So that's what I'm here for to help 
people do that and on an individual basis because it's so different for everyone. But at the same time, because there are so many repetitive patterns that we're taught throughout our lives, it's there's a relatively general um, consensus of like, just like you were saying, you're taught to clean your plate. A bunch of people were taught to clean our plates whenever we're eating, right? Or your lunchtime is at this time, so you only get to eat at this time period. Um, or you have to run the mile in gym class. Yeah. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So helping people get from not only not uh, feeling like they're required to listen to external cues, but like how do you get to hear your own body? How do you get too embodied for that reason? Totally. Hey, Tess here. I want to share an opportunity with you. Do you avoid looking at yourself in the mirror because all you see is all of the things you don't like? Or maybe you never eat the foods you actually want. Instead, you're stuck eating the foods that you think just won't make you fat or fatter. Are you really enjoying life if you are constantly feeling ashamed and embarrassed about your body? Bottom line, you know in your heart you're not living your best life and you're feeling the pain of that. If you're listening to this episode, you're probably someone who wants to love their body and do the things you're dying to do in this life. You know learning to love your body is in your highest interest. You just don't know how to get there or where to start. That's what I'm here for. Join me for three one-on-one sessions where you'll get the support that you need to start loving your body. This is for you if you're ready to finally stop hating your body and yourself so you can live the life you're dying to live and do the things you're dying to do. For more information, follow the link for one-on-one work in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. Um, what is your advice to those who think this is so this is a two part question. What is your advice to those who think mm-hmm. that they should work out but really don't want to or those who hate working mm-hmm. out but force themselves to anyway? Mm-hmm. I think that the number one hurdle to find intuitive movement, and that's what I, that's one of my pillars of my program and my coaching is I sort of borrowed from intuitive eating. There are 10 principles of intuitive eating and I've created 10 principles of intuitive movement. And the biggest hurdle to overcome that will sort of open up the rest of the path for you is let yourself not work out. It is so revolutionary because we're taught that we're supposed to be working out, right? We're always supposed to be active. We're supposed to be going to hour-long Zumba classes or whatever once a week. And so you're always shooting yourself. I should do this. Whether you are working out or not, you are putting an expectation on yourself, but where does that expectation come from? If you don't want to do it, it sounds like you need to investigate yourself. Like what is telling me in my own head? What does it mean about me if I don't do this workout? What does it mean about me if I do it and I don't want to do it? What does it mean about me if I just 
didn't work out for a day or a week or a month or a year or the rest of my life? What does that mean about me if I never work out for the rest of my life? And I think that for a lot of us, that'll bring up a lot of strong emotions, a lot of defensiveness. Well, you can't not work out for the rest of your life. That's definitely not healthy. Going back to all of our conversations about what health is. Um, but think about it. Who, who in the past 3000 years worked out, quote unquote, every week? Um, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people did. I think that personal training was created in the early to mid 1900s um, for bodybuilders to create a specific body shape with, you know, building muscle mass. So the concept of working out even, I don't think is more than a hundred years old. So sort of like with giving birth, it's like, why, why did we put all these like middlemen in between our bodies and what they're supposed to be doing in the world? Like your body knows how much it wants to move if you can listen to it. So if you are feeling like you don't ever want to work out, the biggest hurdle is give yourself permission to not work out. And then you might start to be able to hear when your body's actually asking for movement. That doesn't mean it's asking for strength training or a spin class or Zumba. It, it doesn't have to ask for a specific, you know, gym class or whatever, but it will ask you to move and just not putting a label on whatever that movement is, is I think the first step. Totally. That's, I love that. And uh, healing from an eating disorder, there was actually a really long time where like my body wanted to be still and I gave myself permission mm -hmm. to do that. You know, like it would be like, this is my movement. Mm -hmm. I'm laying on the floor with my arms out, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't mean the movement. I mean, that was taking up the space and the time of what I would have been punishing myself mm -hmm. trying to work out, you know, versus just being. And one thing, mm -hmm. and you can tell me if you agree that I think is such like an important side note to movement is that like, we think of exercise in this big 45 minutes, hour, 90 minutes, it has to be this huge mm -hmm. thing. But movement, and if you're listening to your body, like it could be three minutes of dancing. Mm -hmm. Totally. It could be that you wake up in the morning and you do like a big giant cat stretch, you know, like you really uh, flex and tighten all of those muscles and stretch them out. Like that is movement. It's probably not exercise, but yeah, who cares what the label is? It's it's movement that your body is asking you for, and you probably even unconsciously heard it and then give it that, right? If you just like stretch first thing in the morning. So that's a little, I think, sneak peek into your body's ability to talk to you and for you to hear it is things like that, where you are driving a car for a bunch of hours and then you get up and you stretch fully you probably didn't even think about it, but your body asked for movement and you gave it to it. So yeah, the concept of 60 minute classes 
are because gyms know that if their clients are going to come to a class to work out, to use their facility, if it's less than 60 minutes, the clients won't come because it's not worth it. If it's more than 60 minutes, their clients are going to leave earlier. They're not going to come because that's too mm -hmm. much of their time. This concept of like a 45 minute or a 60 minute workout class is invented by gyms. You don't have to yeah. do that. You know, you can do a three minute dance. You could do a one minute stretch. You could do, you know, your laundry. <laughs> you can stand in the sink and do your dishes. You can garden. You can do all kinds of movement. And yeah, if the word exercise doesn't feel good for you. Yeah, awesome. I totally agree with that. I feel like I'm still like everything to me is just movement or joyful movement because if I'm trying to distinguish between like, oh, well, what is the exercise? Did I do the exercise? Did I do enough exercise? It goes right back to restriction, right back to am I doing enough? And mm -hmm. like this desperate place of measuring my movement and my body versus mm -hmm. if I'm just talking, you know, movement, then it's like, what is movement, mm -hmm. you know, and then coming from that place, like I go for about a 45 minute walk every day. Well, that's movement. But old me would be like, walking doesn't mm -hmm. count. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah, totally. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Walking doesn't count. You don't get sweaty. It's yeah. not enough for cardio. It's <laughs> not enough for strength. It's who cares? First of all, it is cardio. If it gets your heart rate up, there is no like bright line that fits for everyone for what is and isn't cardio and is and isn't strength training. Because if you've not been walking and then you start walking, guess what's happening? Your muscles are getting stronger. Therefore it is strength training. If you have not been getting your heart rate up and then you go for a walk and your heart rate gets up, guess what? That is cardio. It's not that it is or isn't enough. It could also be that if you, you know, already do things that are strength training or you already do things that are cardio then yeah maybe walking isn't either of those things for you it is a way to um you know engage your parasympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system and really calm yourself down it is all things to all people and that's true for all movement and so that's why there is no prescription that's right for everybody that's why we all have to get in touch with our own bodies to find out what works for I love that. Us. Yeah, because everything feels different to everyone. So I mean, mm -hmm. and on different exactly. days, yeah, even person, it's different from day to day, from week to week, month exactly. to month, all of it's it. It's ever changing. Um, can, mm -hmm. for people who are like mind blown by what you said about never exercising again, can you elaborate on the idea that you mm -hmm. shared with me about how people never have to exercise again and how that's totally and completely okay? <laughs> Yeah. Well, first of all, what makes you think you ever had to exercise in the first place? I'll give you a hint. It's society, <laughs> right? Like there, there is an answer. It's part of probably. the like, acceptable human. Exactly. And going back to sort of my story, especially if you're in a larger body, that's absolutely a requirement to be an acceptable human is that you have to exercise. Um, but yeah, it, there's a few different levels, right? So if you're someone who just is really triggered or upset by the word exercise, or you have a lot of history with the word exercise, maybe I'm saying to you, you never have to exercise for mm. the rest of your life. And what I mean is 
don't use that word anymore. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. what fits for you. Maybe I'm saying I don't need to do extra movement outside of my day-to-day life, right? Like people who work on farms don't need to exercise because they're doing very intense movement all day, every day, right? So yeah, do they need to exercise? Not really. Like your grandparents, did your grandparents exercise? Probably not. Mine did. Um, That's because my grandma taught an exercise class every week for like 25 years when she was younger. Well, exactly. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. Um, I wonder if she She had fun doing that. All of the women became her friends and it was like fun. Like they would all dress up on Halloween and do the workout in their costume. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love nothing more than doing an exercise class on a holiday because like everybody is into it and they, this is part of their holiday Mm -hmm. like routine or tradition. I love it. Um, Yeah. So maybe when I say you never need to exercise for the rest of your life, maybe I am truly saying to you, you don't need to set time aside to do some sort of workout. Maybe I'm saying that the day-to-day movement that you do is plenty. Even if that means that you're a sedentary person and you work in front of a computer all day. Because I know that's the thing that, right, the news and health experts are like, oh, we're so sedentary and we need to fix our posture and we need to, you know, fix how, how sedentary the lifestyles have become. I don't think it's um, all that terrible of a thing. If this is the society that we've created where people have to sit in front of a computer all day, I don't think it is our responsibility to then figure out on our own how to counteract the way the entire culture has been built Mm -hmm. around us. Um, If you just don't enjoy movement, you don't, you don't have to do it. That's it's, it's the opposite of what everything in the world says. And as a personal trainer, it's certainly not what people expect to hear, but I'm telling you, you really don't have to do it. Like what's is like, are the movement police going to come arrest <laughs> you because you didn't work out for the past three years? Like what's going to happen? You're still here, right? Like you're, you haven't been working out and what's happened probably nothing. So you could just keep, doing that yeah that's crazy that's like i it's just you know for most people hearing that it's like it's going to be validating i think because so many people who don't work out it's just like this huge shame you know where it's like actually funny i have Mm -hmm. a sister actually who said to me um i hate walking And she was talking about how she doesn't feel like moving. And, you know, I don't know everything going on in her life and I don't know what's going on in her mind. I mean, I know some of it, but I'm not her. And I can relate to Mm -hmm. in the past feeling like I need deep stillness and I don't know how long I need the stillness, but I know that because of my trauma, Mm -hmm. I need stillness. And I think that that Mm -hmm. is like healing in a form, you know, and who knows if she'll feel like that forever. But I think that we live in a world where it's Mm -hmm. like, you need to exercise or like, what the hell are you doing? You have a responsibility to your Mm -hmm. body, you know, like this kind of like, just, uh, what's the word? Just like, 
um, larger than life attitude about it. You know, it's kind of like, don't you get it? So what you're saying really like takes the shame and the guilt and the frustration and the pressure and Mm -hmm. like just give yourself permission, you know, to let it go. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're already not doing it Mm -hmm. or you're doing it out of punishment, you know, like you have permission to let it go. And it's just such Mm -hmm. an amazing point. You said like you're still here, you know. And that's Mm -hmm. the whole fear above all of it. It's like the cloud of like, what's going to happen to your health, you know? And it's like, well, look at them. (laughs) They're here. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that reminded me of a couple of things. Um, So first of all, I, yeah, getting rid of the shame and guilt about not moving or not wanting to move or not wanting to exercise. It's really hard. And so that is part of the coaching that I do. We look specifically at well, what are your thoughts around it? And then we break those down and we figure out a way to, you know, apply self-compassion and turn those. And we look at if there are any um, cognitive distortions that are like, yeah, that's what you're thinking, but is that true? Is that real? Are these things that you think are real? Is that true? So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other part, like you were saying, Sometimes you just have a feeling where you just need deep stillness and you have no idea how long that's going to last. And I know for me, and I'm sure it's true for a lot of people, there have been moments in our lives where you feel something so deeply and so strongly and you're just like, there's no way that like I'm going to come out of this feeling. Or like, there's no way that I'm going to change my mind about this thought or this feeling. And then just like that, something snaps and it's completely different. Like I know with the pandemic, when the pandemic first started and lockdown first happened, it was like, we couldn't possibly imagine a world where we would be working from home for two years or whatever, right? On March 9th, 2020, that was not possible in our brain and then you know on march 17th or whatever depending on where you were everything changed you had no idea that it was going to come but it did and and for so many of us it completely changed the way we thought about everything so what i'm saying is you never have to work out ever for the rest of your life but also be open to the possibility that something will change because you won't always feel like this. Exactly. So sometimes you need deep stillness and then one day you wake up and you don't know why, but now you're, you're done with that season. Exactly. Cause like embodying the body is about being open to your feelings and emotions and energies being there and allowing space for them to come up and allowing them to move through Mm -hmm. you. And everything's ever changing, just Mm -hmm. like your body's ever changing. So, you know, of course Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's a great point. And everything flows. And it's like, of course, a million Mm -hmm. people have said this, but it's like, we're not here permanently. And everything is changing around us, whether or not we want to change. And we're changing, actually, whether or not we realize it or think we want to, (laughs) you know. So it's just allowing, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's saying out loud to yourself, like, 
you know, I always placing your hand on your body is so powerful, you know, and it's like, I give myself permission to feel whatever, you know, and then say what it is, or I give myself permission to never work out again, like actively saying those things to Mm -hmm. yourself. There's like so much power in that Mm -hmm. because you're not waiting for someone to confirm it outside of yourself and you're telling yourself. And if you say it out loud, it's like you're hearing it and you're feeling the vibration and it actually can like really start to shift your energy. And I think, on a side note to that, it's also really important to give yourself the permission without the buts. Like I'll give myself permission mm-hmm. to not do it, yeah. but I know I'll have to do it at some point or, but it ha- you know, like doing it mm-hmm. in order to try to force the change. If Yeah. You're not really giving yourself permission all the way. And it's hard. It's really hard to give yourself full permission to never work out for the rest of your life. Because like we were saying, it's the opposite of what absolutely everything tells us about what we're supposed to be doing. But when you look at the forces that created that narrative that you're supposed to be working out all the time, or the forces that you're supposed to be working on your health, you're supposed to be healthier than you are, you're absolutely going to die next (laughs) week if you don't, you know, start taking a green smoothie and like start running at 5 a.m. Yeah. All of those things, they're in our brain. They're in our body. We've embodied those things. Exactly. Um, so convincing yourself that those things aren't true, it's hard work. Um, you know, it takes a level of self-awareness. But getting over that and giving yourself full permission is where that freedom comes from. It's where that release of the shame and guilt comes from and practicing the self-compassion because you're not always going to get it right. It's not that, excuse me, you have to think that way every day for the rest of your life. Having self-compassion be like, today I was really struggling. I couldn't give myself full permission to rest. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Totally. There you go. It's the awareness and those things are what slowly reprogram your subconscious. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I so, love the way you said that. This is a great conversation. I'm loving it. Um, you and I have talked about this a bit before, but what is the power? I know I worded this a little weird, so listen, let me know if you want me to say it again. What is the power in separating fitness and movement from the desire to change how your body looks? Mm. Well, that's sort of everything, isn't it? Um, yeah, the reason that we think we have to move and exercise so much is, um, well, sort of twofold now because healthism has become a thing where this concept of like, you have to be at peak health and hack your body or whatever so that you can live to be 300. No, thank you. Um, but the, the main one that's been going on for like a hundred years is this concept of what our bodies are supposed to look like. This patriarchal white supremacist, you know, ageist concept that all bodies are supposed to be these tiny prepubescent little girls and Um, You know, from sort of decade to decade, there are individual fads of what bodies are supposed to look like, specifically women's bodies. Um, Of course, there are some concepts for men's bodies, but for whatever reason, the emphasis is on what 
women should look like because women are supposed to exist to be pleasurable to look at by men. So if you take all of that, and it's a lot, <laughs> right? It's, it's almost all of our conditioning. If you take that and put it aside and say, why would I move my body if it weren't to look like whoever the trendy celebrity is right now? you'll get some interesting answers. And I think a lot of people have never asked themselves that before. You know, you might want to feel energized. You might want to move your body so that you feel stronger. You might want to move your body so that you feel engaged in your just current everyday life. You might want to move your body so that you feel um, like you could just start doing cartwheels in the park one day if the if the spirit moves you you know there's a lot of reasons that you might want to move your body besides trying to change the way it looks and i would very much invite everyone to ask themselves what that might mean for them because working out just to change your body shape is a form of punishment that has basically been brainwashed into us. So let me uh, let me give you the invitation to maybe try another way of thinking about movement. Yes, 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 yes. Just I'm just like guessing all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this other question, I feel like it's kind of like the other one, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and you can tell me if something else comes up for you. Why should people want to separate fitness from the desperation they feel to change their body? Mm -hmm. I sort of going back to, you know, there's so many themes with all of this that are intertwined. Going back to this concept of what is your body to you? We haven't been asked to think about that at all. So thinking about your body, not as it's viewed by other people, but how it's experienced by you and how you use it to experience the world that you engage in and the activities that you participate in, and hopefully using it to find activities that light you up, that make you feel good when you use your body in that way. Um, that is an entirely different way of thinking about your body. So if instead of thinking about the way your body looks, what if just for a thought experiment for a short amount of time, you thought about your body and what it's doing for you, how it's helping you, all four of your bodies, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, experience the moment that you're in. So really turning the concept of your body on its head, if, if you're always thinking about what it's looking like, you know, think about what it feels like, think about what it's helping you feel and do and experience and live and learn all that. That's an amazing answer. Um, just so much there for people to think about and feel into and really start to ask themselves those mm -hmm. questions to get in tune with themselves. I love that. And 
that was actually mm-hmm. my last body centered question or all of the topics that we're talking about question. Um, kind of a side note question, but I just have to ask because I saw you post about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear you're working on a podcast of your own. Can we get a sneak peek into what that's going to be about? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I will be also starting a podcast of my own. It is going to be um, hopefully a, a quick little thing, like a 15, 20 minute podcast where I will be talking about just all the different aspects of the pillars of my Hmm. coaching program, which are intuitive movement, intuitive eating, and body image, which when it comes to body image in my program, I'm focusing uh, mostly on body neutrality. So sort of what I was just saying, what if you didn't focus so much on what your body looked like and you focused more on what your body can do because body positivity is great and it certainly started with the best of intentions it's gotten a little um wonky uh in the past few years you know everything gets co-opted by capitalism and everything also tends to get co-opted by skinny white women if they can make it about themselves to feel better about not being the skinniest person they know, but still not in the vein of the fat liberation that it started as. So sort of helping people recognize the difference between body neutrality and body positivity. And especially when it comes to loving your body, if you're at a place where you hate your body, it might be easier to go to this middle step of body neutrality before you go to the full-blown I actually do love the way my body looks if, if it's tough for some people to go 180 degrees oh, totally. in the other direction. Uh, so yeah, my podcast is going to be about all That's of those awesome. kinds of things. I love that. And I'm excited to support you on that journey. Um, Thank you. I'm excited to start. To oh, I would love to be a guest. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. I know what I was going to say. I always like body neutrality is a such a stepping stone you know like it's it's part of the journey like mm-hmm. i don't i don't at least i don't know anyone who was just like i hate my body i love my body you know like that's it's just that's mm-hmm. where the whole like body positive thing just gets so like gag me because it's like it just feels so insincere mm-hmm. you know it's like this is a journey you know and like yeah. i love that so and yeah i'm just excited <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Hmm. Cool. I don't think so. I talk so much. I think you I covered, covered some a lot great of it. stuff. You had like amazing answers. I was like, you were like blowing me away left and right over here. <laughs> um, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Deanna Beaton, which is D E A N N A B E A T O N. And you can also find me at DeannaBeaton.com. Awesome. Do you have a name for your podcast yet? I'm pretty sure it's going to be. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> well, <I don't. laughs> then anyone listening, go follow her and be sure to find out when this podcast is coming out. Because I bet it's going to go. Yeah. If you I... follow me. Yeah. On Instagram and all that jazz. I'll definitely keep it's going to go. Posted. It sounds like hand in hand with this podcast. So if you like this podcast, that's probably going to mm-hmm. be right in line with what you also want to hear. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us today. 
Thank you so much. Awesome. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this episode helped bring you some clarity or gave you something to feel into in your body. I want to leave you with this. Remember that no matter where you are on your body journey, your body is not the problem. That healing our relationship with our body takes time. And with little steps every day, you too can transform your relationship with your body. You can find me on Instagram at The Embodiment Doula. If you enjoyed this show, please rate it and review it wherever you are listening. Share this episode with a friend and check back next week for a new episode of the Embodiment Doula podcast. Thanks.